Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Welcome back to Euronet Plus Panorama. Following further wrangling and compromise at a special meeting of the European Council earlier this week, EU leaders finally gave a thumbs up to the bloc's sixth package of sanctions against Moscow. The latest round of sanctions was finally adopted by the 27 EU heads of state late in the evening of Monday the 30th of May. It includes an embargo on some 90% of crude oil imports from Russia by the end of this year, with some of these imports likely to be cut almost immediately. The measures principally concern seaborne imports, but Germany and Poland have also committed to halting pipeline imports within the next six months. Yet, as S-Radio reports... The Czech Republic, Slovakia and Hungary have been granted an exemption so that they can continue to be supplied by the Russian Druzhba pipeline for the time being. It is thought that the exemptions offered to these countries may be back on the table for further discussion as early as the next leaders' meeting at the end of June. As the Lithuanian president's chief advisor, Asta Skaizgeritia, stresses, they can certainly only be seen as an interim measure. Ginny Uradias has the story. The key here was to cross that psychological threshold that Russian oil could be subject to sanctions after all, and that threshold was crossed. Leaders have agreed to impose an embargo on Russian oil, true with some exceptions. Those exceptions will be revisited in the future. We believe that leaving the exceptions indefinitely would be wrong and the next meetings, not only of the leaders, but also of the ministers and working groups, will return to this topic and it will be discussed further. Polish PM Mateusz Morawiecki hailed the sixth sanctions package agreed at the summit as a victory for European unity, says Polski Radio and the exceptions as justifiable. The enemies of Ukraine, the enemies of Europe, the enemies of peace were surprised that we found consensus after all, because we managed to build a very strong package, one that nobody expected, including the matter of oil and, of course, allowing those countries that cannot do it by the end of the year, but need a few more months or a few more quarters, to get out of Russian oil in a certain sequence. Poland's premier also stressed that this was a historic moment that would deal a very strong blow to the Russian economy, both now and into the future. The entire European Union will move away from Russian oil. This, ladies and gentlemen, is an economic revolution. It means that Russia will soon start losing its income and permanently. This is a very important aspect of our whole debate. Kuku Radio asks a representative of Estonia's foreign ministry when the new sanctions package will actually come into effect. Mert Volmer explains that implementation will take time but he echoes Morawiecki's optimism that it will have a significant economic impact on Russia. 
Some of these changes have already taken place, with some countries having stopped using Russian oil. We don't yet know exactly when these EU sanctions will enter into force. The leaders did come to an agreement, but this still has to go to the ambassadors. They will work out the details of when things will be implemented, the ban and all the transitional stages. But I think by the end of the year, most of the oil money that fuels this war machine will be gone from Russia. The member states' ambassadors met on the 1st of June to adopt the legal acts related to this decision. In contrast, Lyubomir Kyuchukov, a career diplomat and the director of Bulgaria's Economics and International Relations Institute, gives BNR a bleaker assessment of the sanctions' prospects of bringing the war in Ukraine to an end. The fact that the sanctions were adopted is in itself not surprising. It was simply a matter of time and agreement. But while negotiating this package, two clear enough trends have emerged. The first is that sanctions will be expanded, and the second is that they will become increasingly difficult to negotiate. Sanctions will nevertheless remain the EU's main tool for the foreseeable future and will continue to be tightened because they are motivated by a goal they cannot serve, that of the end of the war in Ukraine. The problem is that when sanctions are imposed outside the UN system, they can identify the guilty party, but they cannot solve the problem. There have been sanctions in place against Russia for eight years now, and since the start of the war they have been unprecedented in their scale, but still the war continues. Attending the EU summit in Brussels on his final days in office, outgoing Slovenian Prime Minister Janez Janša echoed these sentiments. He said that while it may have been a struggle to finalise this oil embargo, the hardest part is yet to come in the form of gas. Of course, he will not be taking part in those discussions. Good luck to those who will be seeking a solution to square the circle. Janša's parting advice to the EU is to prioritise stabilising energy prices, as RTV Slovenia reports. Although some fear that these sanctions may hit EU citizens harder than they hit Moscow, the majority of voices in Brussels and around Europe seem to be in favour of the move. Yet some, including Germany's Vice-Chancellor Robert Habeck, lament the full 26 days it has taken to get here, as Euronet Plus member AMS reports. Europe's strength, its unity and its resolve have certainly suffered over the shambles over the sixth sanctions package. And since unanimity once again proved difficult to achieve, discussion is intensifying on how to deal with this obstacle going forward. Speaking to German television on Tuesday morning, Manfred Weber, the newly elected president of the European People's Party, the EU's biggest political family, stressed that it must now be a priority to remove the need for unanimity in this area. AMS brings us the story. Despite the crunch, it's good that we have a result. I would like to say that explicitly. But where do we go from here? So far, I cannot see that Olaf Scholz or Emmanuel Macron have the strength to get Europe back on track, abolishing unanimity. It cannot be that one country can block the entire EU and take it hostage. That is why we must finally abolish unanimity on these sanction issues, on foreign policy issues. And to deal with a lack of unanimity on another hot potato... 
the accession prospects of Ukraine and the Western Balkans, Emmanuel Macron has provided another option. An option inspired by former President François Mitterrand's vision of a European confederation that stretched from the Atlantic to the Urals. On Europe Day, Macron suggested creating a European political community, a kind of waiting room with privileges, you might say, for neighbouring countries hoping to join the bloc. But such a body could also provide a home for those with some other kind of special relationship with the Union. The UK, for example, or perhaps even a wayward member state that refuses to respect EU values. Political philosopher Josephine Staron, who is Director of International Relations at the French governance think tank Sinopia, tells France's Radio why President Macron's idea is unlikely to get out of the starting blocks, despite it having some merit. Like Mitterrand, word for word, President Macron was clumsy enough to point out that it would take, and I quote, decades and decades for Ukraine to join the EU. So yes, that is a fact, and I think he's right, but he certainly didn't need to say it. Moreover, on the same day, 9 May, 13 member states signed a letter strongly opposing any change to the treaties and the European framework. Among the signatories were the Czech Republic and Sweden, the two countries that will hold the EU Council presidency after France. So, the European Political Community Project, although I think it is indeed a good idea, as was François Mitterrand's idea at the time, will probably have great difficulty in seeing the light of day. In fact, is this proposal not simply a pretext for further delaying these countries' accession to the EU? So asks Lima Lucia Andrikienia, the current chair of Lithuania's Foreign Affairs Committee, in a conversation with Ginio Radias. The former EPP Group MEP notes that Macron's idea is vague and that efforts should focus on improving the EU's accession process instead. I'm not convinced by Emmanuel Macron's idea. It doesn't seem new to me. I don't see anything new in qualitative terms in what he's proposing. It seems to me that the current system and procedure is much clearer and more comprehensible. We can discuss the shortcoming of this system because a country cannot remain a candidate for 20 years. Negotiations cannot last for years. To avoid this, perhaps the membership criteria should be formulated differently. Maybe this should be different. And then the processes could be much quicker, not simply in terms of time, but would be clearer, more understandable in the future. This is where we need to work. So that's all for this week. Make sure you come back next week for another look around the Euronet Plus network. <laughs>